Ladies and gentlemen of the Midway, step right up, for you are about to behold sights so strange, so horrifying, so utterly monstrous, that I urge those among you who are easily frightened or upset, who experience nightmares, who suffer from nervous disorders, weak hearts, or queasy stomachs, and any children under the age of 16, to forego witnessing this film. There are only two kinds of fools, ladies and gentlemen, those created by God, and those of an ungodly sort. Yes, those born of man. I can assure you, the creatures about to discuss the frames of this film fall firmly into the ladder. And of the film itself, well, that's the story we're here to tell. So look if you must, or maybe listen, but if you cannot turn away, but remember, you have all been warned. It's Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. <laughs> do, 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 do. Dear God. Oh, yeah. Also, my name's John, and uh, with me is uh, the, my, my delightful co-host, Josh. Josh, how fareth thine self? I fare so thine well that thy watcheth upon the movie... My headeth lay down upon green pastures. I don't know. I walketh amongst angels. <laughs> or something. Through th- 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 uh, th- Donald Pleasant, who strengthens me. Oh, wow. Sixth penny by to, uh, Tom Baker. Sixth penny, none the richer. <laughs> The Dirty Thames. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pleasants upon Thames. <laughs> That's right. Nipples upon Thames. <laughs> <laughs> Toast and beans, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, we're morons. Yes, but I do have to say, John, that this was, in fact, a stroke of brilliance on your part, because this movie bridges what we just watched to what we're going to watch next so perfectly that I think you did it on purpose. It is so weird. I think I subconsciously did it on purpose, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, it, it, it really does. It's... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it fits perfectly. It's weird. Um, this movie is fucking weird. It, it, it is fucking weird. Um, I have, a, a, a surprise, surprise of late, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. And it confuses my sensibility of how to even rate things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's got some challenges built right into it. Um what is it that we're talking about, John? Well, it's funny that you ask, not really, but it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about 1974's uh, The Mutations, uh, directed by Jack Cardiff, who uh, was really known for being a cinematographer, uh, and basically was cinematographer for everything. Um, Black Narcissus, Cat's Eye, Conan the Destroyer. Ghost Story, Dogs of War, The African Queen. He's, uh, he got around. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Rambo First Blood 2. That's two. right, Rambo First Blood 2. Yeah, which is a stupid name for anything. It really is. It's just not to a good name. To call something First 2? <laughs> <two? laughs> 
So who? So who? Who is the star of this film? That's a good question. <laughs> it's kind of obscured, but very seemingly Donald Pleasance as Doctor Nolter. Uh, he is most famous to us as Doctor Loomis in the Halloween franchise and as Doc in our recently reviewed Wake in Fright. Uh, but he has over 240 acting credits to his name. Yeah, uh, 99% of them he plays a doctor, apparently. Um, yes, yeah. Phenomenon, he plays a doctor. Uh, but then he, you know. he's also Blofeld in You Only Live Twice. And uh, yes. <laughs> he's in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band uh, movie, which is weird. And then he's in a little movie that I watched after a long night of... Uh, the uh, dealing with the effects of ingesting uh, lysergic acid diethylamide, and um, ah, uh, the next just like in the song, yeah. And then the next morning, we were watching TV to try to you know calm down, and this movie came on, and we ended up laughing hysterically through the movie, and it became like this this you know pre-internet. We it was one of those movies you had to just plant in your brain and hope that it would pop up again one day. The movie is called. Jaguar lives, and oh, I thought you were gonna say the Great Escape. That's a good one. That is a good one. No, Jaguar lives is this awful fucking uh, like martial arts movie, and the main character is named Jaguar, or as we called him, Jaguar. And uh, oh yeah, we man, we, we we laughed hysterically through that film. This friend of mine and I, and there's like a scene where he's he's doing like dancing martial arts dancing on top of like a uh, a cliff top or something and the way they did his hair he kind of looks like Ted Danson so <laughs> it became this whole joke that the, that it was Ted Danson as Jaguar and all this stuff and for years every time I would see dead T- Ted Danson I was like Haguar <laughs> anyways he uh, yeah, Donald Pleasance was in that one was, was it Donald Pleasance as Ted Danson, the Jaguar? No, that would be amazing. Because I can't picture, I can't picture Donald Pleasance with Ted Danson hair. <laughs> I, can, I can barely picture him with hair. Um, it's the uncanny valley right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah, the uncomfortable valley. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, he's great. He's a great character actor. He uh, he really gives it his all in everything, and uh, he's always entertaining, even when the film is terrible. Uh, which this one, I guess, is arguably terrible, but also so bizarre. Uh, it's very bizarre. It, it's a B-movie. That's that's a thing that I had to keep in mind. Like, after watching it, I was like, oh, 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 like like MST3K. Okay, I see. I see what we've done. It's cool. It, one of the things that, that keeps, that kind of rescues this film is the cinematography. Some of the camera shots are, are very well composed, uh, and I personally like the soundtrack. I the, the yeah Basil Basil Kirk Kirkner or Kirkner or whatever the hell his name is Kirchen Kirchen I Kirchen. wrote it down. That's right. Uh, he is a British experimental musician who uh, did all kinds of crazy music and kind of got into the soundtrack thing and was known for soundtracks like this, just very strange, lots of you know like improvisational instrumentation and stuff. Really cool. Um, I actually have a quote here. Uh, uh, 
Basil Kirchen's uh, music was famous for his use of electronic music featuring tape manipulation of the sounds of birds, animals, insects, and autistic children. Oh, yes, there it is. Yeah, yeah. I saw okay. that. And I wondered at the end of the movie if that's what we were listening to, and it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. This was, in fact, his final uh, m- music in a movie credit until this year, whenever one of his songs made it into the movie Megan. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. It is. <laughs> I mean, fitting, I guess. Yeah. It is really interesting. I like it. The The, the movie opens great because it's it's sped up footage of, of plants and mushrooms growing to his music, which starts out very jazz fusion. And then all of a sudden there's like a lion roaring and it gets more chaotic. It's it, and then and then we get Donald Pleasance's voice narrating David Attenborough's style. It's great. <laughs> it's one of the best opening sequences of any movie. It's got this like Art Nouveau style lime green lettering for the credits and yes. it's just so it's just so fucking 70s. It's fantastic. It's a great opening. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's very early seventies specific, like where there you, there's still the nineteen sixties wallpaper in there, but but we've got it a little bit more updated with new furniture. That, yeah, uh, Cardiff is obviously heavily influenced uh, directly at times by Todd Browning's Freaks, uh, yeah, which is one of the earliest really kind of transgressive films, and you know this movie is somewhat transgressive, but also kind of, you know, riffing on, you know, work that's much more serious. And, uh... Yeah. And much more... It it really straddles the line and sometimes goes well over the line of exploitation. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it gets real troublesome. It's it's also, like, groundbreaking in several ways, but in other ways it's very regressive. Yeah. Um, It's a confusing thing to talk about. It is. It's. I mean, it was. You know. I don't know. You know. Necessarily, what the atmosphere was in '74, but I. I mean, you couldn't even make a movie like this. That well, you could make it, but nobody would watch it. But uh, yeah, in '74, I don't. I mean, I can't even imagine what the reaction must have been. I mean, uh, you know, the, the circus performers were referred to as freaks, and or carnival sideshow performers. And there's a number of those folks in this film. Uh, some of them are actually pretty well known. And uh, so it's, you know, it, that can be visually arresting if you're not comfortable with that sort of thing. Um, and they definitely take advantage of that sense of discomfort that people have. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they try to empower them and, you know, but that's that's all, all of that is covered in Freaks, in Todd Browning's Freaks, which is one of the best films, like, ever made. It's a fucking great film. It's extremely upsetting. I mean, it's 1932, and it's covering this ground much more, you know, sensibly than this movie is. I mean, this movie's rocking it for schlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this movie does rock out with its schlock out. And, uh, oh man, the acting is real patchy. Of course, every moment that Donald Pleasance is on the screen is, is like, he's doing a great job. Tom Baker, too, is in here. Uh, he co-stars alongside Donald Pleasance. This is uh, Tom Baker is the 
whenever people say Doctor Who, they're usually talking about Tom Baker, and this came out the same year as his first year as Doctor Who, so it was before he was famous for Doctor Who, which is probably why he agreed to be a putty-faced uh, mutant killer guy. Uh, probably might not have made that same decision had he already had so much uh, fan love. Yeah, yeah, no way. Yeah. Having said that, he's great, and the makeup is amazing. Yeah, I, I it took me a while to figure out that that's who Do- Tom Baker was playing in this movie. The first time I saw the trailer, I was like, why does the guy kind of looks like Tom Baker? Except I don't remember him being nine feet tall. And then, then they were like, Tom Baker. And I'm like, holy shit, that is Tom Baker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's enormous. I didn't realize, that, like... Unless they, like, put shit in his shoes, I think he might just be a really tall, terrifying dude. Shitty shoes, Tom Baker. He, uh, I mean, there's shots, there's always, there's numerous shots in the film where he's, like, standing on stairs and standing, you know, on a, like, a a doorstep or something. So he's always set to be looking taller than he actually is. Um, I, maybe he is tall. I never really thought of him that way, but he looks massive in this movie. Yeah, maybe maybe that long stupid scarf was designed to make him look shorter. <laughs> That's the other thing is he he really if you just took all that makeup off, he could have just walked over to the Doctor Who set and started filming. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like some of these props even would fit really well in the black and white Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Like whenever whenever they show the the transformed guy and he's got those little beads coming out of him, I was like, I know exactly what aisle to get those from in Michaels. <laughs> the cranberry man. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny when I was a kid, um, and this would have been at the time. You know, Tom Baker was uh, Doctor Who at that time. I I was old. Yeah, I'm very old. <laughs> S- something about his appearance disturbed me when I was a kid. I found him scary looking. So, God, if I had seen this movie back then, I would have been traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That Tom Baker is even worse. (laughs) I mean, the makeup's phenomenal on him. Uh, The rest of the makeup is real bad. Um, The costumes and stuff are, are like, well, the special effects, but it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. There there are times where it really pops off the screen and I think it's mostly due to the cinematography because it is not due to the prop or set or costume design. It's funny how much overlap this movie has with other movies we've seen, which of course the Basket Case franchise. Um yeah. and then the thing, uh, you know, from yeah. another world. So I mean the and then the body snatchers movies, of course, like you were talking about the bridging. It's just so it's, I mean, I understand that a lot of these are themes that run through horror, but we really kind of, we kind of wove that one right in there. It, it, yeah. it really fits right in the fabric of the weirdness that we've covered. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, it was, I didn't realize it until I was uh, commenting on the fact that they burn all of those plant props. Like, we're actually watching them burn, and I was like, wow, that's a really bold move to actually burn your crazy plant props. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. They did exactly that. <laughs> In Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This movie's just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> and they had the big they had the big fire in the thing, too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 
Man, it's great. This, um, so this movie famously, well, I don't know if it's famous for it. Actually, if you go to Wikipedia, there's apparently not very much known about this movie slash not very much cared about this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also, by the way, it, its other name in, instead of the mutations is the Freak Maker. I'm guessing oh, it was right. like an American release name and a British release name, or but I don't know because there's nothing on Wikipedia and I, yep. I didn't really go hard into the Googles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this movie came out the same year that Rudolph Janish introduced foreign DNA into a mouse embryo and created the first transgenic animal in history. Wow. Um, so, like, mutants and things like that and, and had been a theme in horror movies before this, but this is kind of like at the dawn of the idea of dna manipulation so in that way this movie was super groundbreaking in some of its thematic ideas and they and so they're playing with that there there's all of these ideas there's freaks there's also a bit of frankenstein in here uh it's it's a really interesting mishmash of things it doesn't come out great when you put it all together though no it's got it, it yeah it has a lot of disparate elements that are all kind of put together the fun house which we covered is yeah a lot of that in this too um but you know at the same time it it touches on the age old you know uh a chestnut of taking people who look different <laughs> from from most others and then you know turning them into monsters it's like yeah you know i mean we still do that today so it's not and it certainly isn't this movie's fault but you know, I mean, it's just, but this movie has no shame about it. I mean, yeah, but but see, in the in the movie Freaks, they took that idea and they like progressed it forward by actually like perpetuating these people as human beings with their own problems instead right. of being monsters for objectification. And this movie plays with that idea, and then it just kicks that idea right in the nuts at the end. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it sure does. It plays Rochambeau with with progressing the idea of differently shaped people as normal humans. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah. That's um, best show on air. Uh, one, one final note. Uh, Willie Ingram, the guy who plays Popeye in this movie. Tom Baker and him used to go across the street from where they were shooting to go have drinks at this bar and that the uh, waitress at the bar was so freaked out by him that he started, uh, was so upset that a white man was drinking with a black man that Popeye started popping his eyes out whenever she walked by. And then whenever, you know, she would freak out and tell people this guy's eyes are falling out. Then he would put him back and be like, what's the problem? I don't know. I'm just drinking with Tom Baker. Yeah. And so no one would believe that piece of shit lady. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, my favorite story of this guy. <laughs> and one last thing before we get going here, I, I just have to point out that there's there was a town in Florida which was comprised entirely of circus sideshow folks that basically created their own town, and you know it was they had their own post office and their own you know like they it was a a community where obviously so they could feel comfortable and welcome, and not be gawked at all the time. And, you know, if, if, so they had, it's just crazy to me that in Florida, 
the worst state ever, except yeah. maybe Texas. Thank God I don't live there. Um, <sighs> is, uh, you know, was home to like, you know, for these folks, which yeah. I just thought was kind of fascinating. Anyways, I'm, you know, whatever. It, it really is cool. I think we I think we talked about that when we talked about um, the fun house, right? Because that's mm. where that's where he went to film it. Is he went where all of the uh, carnivals retire for the right. off season in Florida? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh my god, that's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, this this movie like ties things up in a bow. All right. Speaking of tying things up in a bow, let's review the movies summary talking good podcasters Whoa. um oh yeah also uh michael dunn uh he plays burns in here he was a popular character actor he was in the murders uh in the rue morgue the werewolf of washington and he was in star trek the original series he died while this movie was in production uh, but after yeah. he had finished filming all of his scenes yeah that's a shame uh, so the movie opens on the aforementioned slow motion uh, water droplet footage that sped up footage of mushrooms and plants growing to the sound of weird jazz. Then we get Donald Pleasance, who, his Nolter character. He's teaching a college class about plant-like animals and animal-like plants. His big thesis is we're all genetic freaks, so freaks, so... Let's do CRISPR, but he was doing it way back then. And way back then, <laughs> CRISPR mean, meant a giant sci-fi adventure-style laser beam, apparently. I don't know mm. what was up with that, but okay. Um, that was a cyclotron. A cyclotron. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, he a quote from the movie, Think of the glorious creatures of the future, he says in talking about genetically modifying people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're then introduced to a bl very blah group of college friends. I didn't bother th with their names. I refer to them as friend one, friend two, friend two being the friend that matters the very least, friend three, and friend four. Four. Um, <laughs> friend four uh, breaks off from the group and strolls home through the park where she is lurked by Burns. Burns spotted her while pasting up a poster for the freak show. Friend four then realizes that she's being chased by little people and begins to jamble through the fog and cacophony that starts to rise up around her, her hustle. Uh, until she is finally nabbed by Lynch out of the bushes. Um, we then transfer to Nolter's enormous English estate, where he has hounds. Uh, he feeds the hounds raw meat. And it's funny, because when I think of Donald Pleasance, I think of that, you know, public masturbator cloak that he wears. Um <laughs> And so whenever he doesn't wear the public masturbation cloak, uh, he's a, his body moves funny. And I thought his body just moved funny in Wake and Fright. But in this scene where he's throwing chunks of meat to the dogs, I was like, oh, Donald Pleasance is just kind of a weird dude. And, and they put him in a public masturbator cloak to make him look less weird. <laughs> public masturbator cloak. <laughs> oh my god um so at at nolter's mad science lab he we see him feed a bunny to a giant plant 
He poisons what looks like a Rolo until it becomes an asparagus. <laughs> and then he grafts a branch into what looks like a plant that is upturned cow legs with weird testicle brain offshoots. It's so fucking weird. It is. And it has like tufts of long hair jutting out of it in wrong places. Oh my God. I love how grafting for him is slicing a branch open so that it's bleeding everywhere. And then just jabbing a plastic leaf stem like real physically just yeah, just just shove it in there it'll be fine yeah crafting <laughs> science <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, lynch brings friend four to nolter her boobs are then unveiled for scientific purposes she wakes up and screams <clears throat> as the scene fades away and all we can see are every single one of her tooth fillings Jesus, man, what the hell did she, did she ever brush her teeth? I mean, good Lord, like her, the first front, like four or five, five, six teeth, whatever are fine. And then all the rest have fillings in them. The inside of her mouth is mostly silver now. She had a jewelry store. That was insane, man. So anyways, yes. (laughs) So we get a, we get a wonderful stock shot of a, a plane landing at an airport and, uh, the, the, the gang of friends is waiting to pick up Brian Redford, some U.S. Army douche, who arrives to meet with the Brit Knob gang, Tony, Laurel, Lauren, and Hetty. Um, back at, back, and they talk, and, you know, they're not interesting. And then back at the lab, Doc Nolter is uh, mixing some more plant wheeze, and we see, like, more stop-motion stuff, and then just a bunch of, like, science bullshit like just gibberish now he's at his class and he's he's showing his class that he's got this orange which rots like really fast is it because he shoots it with the penis cannon thing or he he shoots it with the giant elon musk mobile and and (laughs) and that causes it to to grow mold and and decompose at a, a quite rapid clip that's right. He does. He shoots it with with muscadong, and then um, and then he talks about how he wants to reverse fungus putrefaction so that his uh, he can he can reverse this process. This is you know this is the cutting edge of science. So he uh, puts it back on his desk and penis cannons it back to shape. It's and then and then at the end he says something about the most fecund fantasy. He's such a dick. Anyways, yeah. So then we get this. We get this horse shit about like his plant man hybrid, the super pod snatcher master plant race business. It's it's you know ridiculous. And one of the students, uh, Tony, who's part of the the gang, uh, writes in his little notebook on his desk, balls. <laughs> <laughs> With an exclamation point. Balls! Um, Doc and uh, Redford meet up and uh, go to Doc's house to have chats about amino acids. And then Doc explains that he wants to save humanity uh, by creating a new race. Wow, where have we heard that before? Um, (laughs) We get a look at Doc's phallic plant garden lab. Uh, He pulls out a lovely bunny, makes a lot of clucky noises and pets it it's very sweet and then he feeds it to the uh little shop of horrors 
plant that he has that is like one of the worst special effects. It's like it looks like something from a children's show in the forties or something. It's just terrible. And he feeds yeah. the plant that's it's <laughs> He feeds it the rabbit. It yeah, oh, I called it the Muppet tree. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna create a new race yes. via this induced mutations by um utilizing the freak type. Uh which yeah, yeah it's great. Then we see the little folks yeah. at the, uh, the 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 little folks and the the sideshow performers from the from the carnival. Uh, the bearded ladies there. There a couple couple of them. They're all sitting in like this gypsy caravan, drinking tea and talking about how Lynch is a total asshat. And then um, you know, no argument there. And then we see the knob gang kind of bell bottoming around London and wondering where the fuck Bridget got off to and. Uh, then they start talking about Nolter, and then it's all this. Well, you should never wrestle with evolution and the history of science. It's like all this science bullshit. It's, there's too much science bullshit in this movie because it's all so dumb. It's it's like dumb. yeah, lots of lots of references too. They love to like oh let's name drop Carl Jung and let let's talk about Timothy Leary. Oh once. God, it's so bad. I love the line. There'll always be cabbages and kings. Oh God! And then, they'll, then suddenly they're talking about LSD and Timothy Leary and and his his idea of the wolf image. It's like, oh God! <laughs> then back to the carnival for carnival shenanigans. Uh, they're they're at the carnival. They're doing carnival stuff. The, the the girl hits the hammer thing that rings the bell and gets a toffee apple from some creepy fucking dude who's just standing there with a box of toffee apples. Uh, what? Don't eat that apple. They work their way over to the royal family of strange people tent. Um, and we hear about the fire eater from Borneo, Popeye, lizard woman of Tibet. Uh, the tiny, tiny, uh, it's just, it's horrible. Anyways, so, yeah, tiny Barker, yeah, I was going to tell, but yeah. So, um, <clears throat> they enter the tent to see the quote-unquote freaks, as they're described in the movie. Uh, and the first one they see is Mary Louise the monkey woman. Then we see the human pincushion. Uh, yeah. Then Manolito, the frog boy, who uh, has, I guess, deformed legs, and so he walks on his arms. Uh, well, for the show, anyway. And then the Alice, alligator skin girl, who has a horrible skin condition to where her entire body is covered in scaly skin. I mean, it's real. And she has no body hair, so she, like, one of the side effects is that I have no hair. And she takes her wig off and everybody, like a woman passes out in the tent. It's just, it's really bad. It's painful. But I mean, yeah. you know, that shit, those shows were real. Um, they didn't usually have like 10 different people in them. They usually had like one that was like their their big, you know, lead you to the tent, to the back room to see the lizard lady or whatever. The rest were all, the, yeah. what they call them, geeks, like the fake the fake stuff, they'd show you all that stuff first. Anyways, oh yeah, and then there's Leslie, the human skeleton, the pretzel man, Popeye, and from the refuse heap of evolution, for an extra 10 pence, you get to see the incredible lizard woman. Uh, but don't worry, folks, because there's a nurse yeah. on hand in case anybody suffers a medical emergency. So they go to line up, they decide they're going to go in. Um, when they're about to go in, they notice on the barker he's wearing their friend's medallion. I mean, who could possibly be in the tent? And then... Tom Baker's standing in the background and kind of gives the guy the old, like, eh, wink, wink. Eh. 
So he's like, um, the, the show has just closed down. I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. Goodbye. They basically fuck off. I, I thought it was funny because they have several of them explain their own condition to the audience. Mm-hmm. But whenever it's Burns explaining it, he's like doing weird showmanship, mm-hmm. but with zero energy. He's like, let me show you how the frog boy met his last <laughs> girlfriend. And she dropped her handkerchief and he picked it up. <laughs> it's so great. So as they're leaving, as they're leaving, U.S. Army douche says she's probably someplace having a ball talking about Bridget, who they almost just saw. Almost. <laughs> um, we find out that Nolter uh, is in need of a new test subject. This one needs to be a strong, good-looking male test mm-hmm. subject, so I would think friend one wouldn't be a qualified example. Nope. But I would be wrong, I guess. <laughs> um we find out that the reason that Lynch is gathering victims for Nolter is that Nolter has promised to make Lynch normal looking again, just as soon as he makes a scientific breakthrough that'll let him achieve that. Um, at this point, we, we haven't mentioned it, but uh, it's Professor Friend. This, this person that they met at the airport and that is now going around, he's a professor, they're students, but he's definitely fucking one of them. He's definitely laying pipe in one of the ladies. Yeah. Which one's available? Is it you? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> friend one returns to the freak show after everyone has gone home to do some hand wringing and trespassing. <laughs> he he sees uh, friend lizard four and then gets chased through the carnival by Lynch into a, I guess, gold mine themed fun house where none of the animatronics ever turn on for any reason. It's just a bunch of shitty dummies that are dressed up like prospectors. Yeah, yeah, they all look like Woody from Toy Story and nothing happens. They just sit there. They don't do anything. It's not a goddamn moment of tension in that whole scene. It's supposed to be so creepy. I love when he walks through like this entranceway into one of the areas and Tom Baker's standing right there trying to pretend like it's like come on dude. Yeah. Everyone else is dressed like cowboys and he's dressed all in black with big face lumps. <laughs> Just oh, no one'll notice it's me. Doctor who the fuck put your makeup on? <laughs> <laughs> so bad uh. he ends up capturing friend one brings him to nolter nolter is going to turn him into a plant boy meanwhile everyone at the freak show is having a birthday party they invite lynch to celebrate he calls them freaks and they do a whole one of us at him until he gets angry and smashes all of their party supplies uh, the the woman whose birthday it is is very upset and they said never mind dear we'll have another party someday i was like wow that's really sad <laughs> i know not today <laughs> uh we get, then get into the mind of lynch he's in a taxi going to the red light district of wherever town they are i guess london yeah. the red red light district of london uh, we we find out that his freak show name was the ugliest man in the world, and he uh, he goes to a prostitute and pays her extra to say I love you to him. Wow, the fun house. At this point, we <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's before the Funhouse and before the Elephant Man. It's almost like people watched this movie and thought to themselves, "I could do better." <laughs> they thought to themselves, "This movie sucks. How I couldn't do worse." Yeah. <laughs> then there's a lot of Lynch. Lynch is just like zipping around town. Uh, the the later that night, uh, Burns lets. Lynch know that friend lizard four has died, and so Lynch disposes of her body in the river, where no one will ever find it, and it doesn't matter. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, w- then in Nolter's uh, laboratory, we see a trail of blood leading from the hospital bed that tells us that friend plant one has escaped. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's friend, friend plant one. Friend, bland. I can't even say it. Anyways, yeah. So, um, Blondie, I forget which one it is, doesn't matter. She gets a call from quote-unquote Tony, who apparently has developed a terrible speech impediment, but she doesn't seem to notice that. Um, So he's going to come over and pay her a visit. Great. Uh, Lynch calls Doc and uh, tells him that, unfortunately, the lizard lady died. By the way, her makeup is straight-up basket case, too. It is yeah, way ridiculous. She looks like a fish cartoon man or something. Like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. It, it, she looks like uh, an alien from the Twilight Zone, but yeah. they, I guess painted veins into her eyeballs because they knew it was going to be shot in color and then just made some wet and that was it. It looks like one of the creatures in the waiting room of Beetlejuice. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool looking, but it just looks too silly to like, it's like, it's supposed to be shocking. It's like, okay, this shockingly shit is what it yeah. is. <laughs> so. And we never see her move either. Like, it, it, it could have been like, they play it up to be such a big reveal, and then it just isn't. Yeah, like we see her for like one second go, eh, 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 and that's about that's about all we see her do, and then we see her dead. <laughs> yeah, like well, we gotta we gotta save our special effects budget for the McRib. <laughs> no shit! Oh my God. So Tony, quote unquote, of course it's plant thing, arrives and scares Blondie in, into passing out. And then uh, one of the neighbors calls the, the cops, and then a delightful Bobby arrives, just to be cute in his little hat. And there, just let me check your pulse and say, oh my God, she's got the vapors, or whatever the fuck he says. I don't remember. Yeah. And so, <laughs> it's so uh, he does that whole thing. Uh, uh, they call a they call a doctor. The doctor comes in. He. Uh, Tony bails out the window, by the way. He doesn't stick around. So uh, they have a house call doctor show up. She's suffering from shock. I've seen it many times. Um, She's just laying there with her eyes open, not reacting to anything. And uh, so he's like, give her one of these every three hours and fuck off. And then he leaves. And now she has her own personal nurse. She just just has a nurse. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Redford and, and Hetty think they think really hard about what everything means there's just they just have a real very difficult what what could it mean (laughs) what whatever could it mean it's like why is the scene here it's just useless it Um, really is yeah it's it's bad so anyways 
the performers confront Lynch. This is it. They're gonna they're gonna have a big showdown, and it comes to nothing. And then they go chat up Burns and tell him that you know Lynch is mean. And then that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Burns uh, has a confrontation with Lynch where he tells him, "I want out," you know. And uh, but Lynch has plans that he's gonna he's gonna go get a girl by himself. And you better Burns, you better come pick me up. After I drop him off, or I'm going to kill you. Okay. Yeah. Um, or you could leave town, and nobody would kill you. So, anyways, then we're down to the River Thames, and we see a bum walking down to the a cement thing by the bank. I don't know. He drinks, lays down as close to the edge of a cement block as he can, and is immediately... Um, <laughs> <laughs> immediately attacked um, by Plant Tony and killed and eaten, I assume, for protein. Which, yeah. Okay. Uh, Hetty gets naked, well, she is naked, and in the bath, so we can see her breasts, and then Tony Plant sneaks in the window, apparently a full-grown man wearing a, what has to be heavy rubber suit, can crawl in a transom window and the whole fucking thing supported his weight. I was like, I don't know who the company is that made those windows, but that is good. That's good yeah. craftsmanship. They don't make them like they used to. That was some no. load-bearing glass. <laughs> uh, she comes in. She hears She hears him knock over a, plant, a tree or something. I don't know what the fuck he knocks over. The lamp. So she, <laughs> she gets out of the path and comes walking in with a towel and... He's hiding behind a blanket. <laughs> like when you do that stupid trick for your dogs. <laughs> he just takes the blanket off of the bed and he's like, Oh, don't look. Don't look. Don't look at me. And she's oh my like, God. Oh, okay, this is a normal thing. You walked oh, in so... on me naked and I'm just going to oh. sit here and take notes while you hide behind a blanket. He's just talking from behind a blanket. You can't look at me. It's terrible. I love that you compared it to the trick you play on your dog. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, good. Whew. Okay. Well, anyway, so he he warns her to stay away, and then he he writes a little note saying that dick bag. Um, Brian, quote unquote, <laughs> Brian finally arrives. And she opens the door, and ah, it's Lynch, <laughs> who can only, um, yeah. <laughs> who apparently only abducts people from this circle of friends. That's anytime yes. he needs someone, he's he's got this group to go to. He could pick anyone, but he always picks them. Okay, that's fine. He's three for three. There, there were four friends at the beginning of the movie. He's gotten three of them, and one of them has been replaced by. A creepy fuck student professor. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he takes her away. Uh, actual Brian arrives and finds a mess. Hetty's gone. Um, back at the lab, Nolter begins doing his plant mojo on Hetty. Uh, Brian arrives at the compound, mansion, whatever. Uh, walks right in the squeakiest front gate I've ever heard. And then every dog in London starts barking, like, maniacally. Like, 
I, I, we knew this guy had dogs, but I don't remember him having like 10,000 dogs. I mean, it was just like, yeah. it was like this chorus of dogs. It was, it was weird. I don't know. It was really bad. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Nodler hears this. How, you could, how could you not hear it? Uh, he sends Lynch out, you know, to go see what's going on. He strong arms Redford. He clotheslines him, basically. <laughs> a la, it was really a good fight. A la X. And then they have a, they actually yeah. have a fight fight. Um, Lynch hits uh, Redford in the noggin with a giant rock and then lifts it up again to crush his skull. But then suddenly Popeye shows up and throws a knife in his back. <laughs> Yeah. And then the group closes in. It's all the, the gang from the carnival. And it's it's go time for Lynch, who's backing away. No, no, I'm one of you. Don't you understand? I'm one of you. And then they just start throwing knives into him. <laughs> it was like, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was, what the fuck is happening right now? Why are there's... They are all proficient <laughs> knife throwers. They're very good. <laughs> Yeah. He backs up to the point where he's now being consumed by the dogs. <laughs> so that's the end of Lynch. That's uh, wow. That was that was yeah. something. Woo. And uh, so now you know. Now they have to hire someone else for Doctor Who. But anyways, at the lab, uh, <laughs> Nodler and whatever the hell his name is, and his carefully placed crotch tray um, start going to work on Hetty, who's you can see her boobs, and then right where her crotch is. There's just this magic tray that's hovering right over that part of her body. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, Tree Tony jumps through the overhead window, um, crashes through the glass, and uh, lands on top of Nodler, and they struggle. And then his chest rib cage opens up like a giant the thing vagimouth. And eats Nodler like like what was the other movie? Oh my God, the 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 movie where the the two brothers run the diner, a blood diner. It's like it's like the it's yeah, like blood, the diner. End of blood diner. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so he vagi chest eats Nodler, yeah. and then like Nodler's corpse slithers out. I mean, it looks like a wet cigar with like blood on it. Or it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a kid ate a, a, a fucking, like, chicken nugget, but just chewed it and then spit it back out. It looks like a Vaseline-covered grape leaf. <laughs> so, of course, the lab catches on fire. Uh, Redford wakes up at the last second, rescues Hetty. All the plant things go up in flames. We hear lots of plant creatures screaming, getting all burnt up. And then... Uh, Redford rushes back past the dogs with no sign of Lynch, who they've apparently consumed from head to toe. Um, yeah, including the clothes. <laughs> yeah. He puts her, puts her in the car and goes around over to the right side because that's where he's going to drive. <laughs> yeah. Fucking English people. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she, <laughs> she wakes up horny as hell. Just, oh, yeah. So, what? What happened? And then they start making out with tongue. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's getting ready to fuck. And then her arm starts turning into a plant thing. And then we get credits and very uh, upsetting music for the yes. for the closing credits. I, it really made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. 
after reading about how he how he would manipulate the, these different sounds, including autistic children, and I'm just like, yeah. I hear children's voices in there, but it, maybe it was, it might have been recordings of the carnival folks, or I don't, I don't know. But yeah, eh, anyways, that's the movie. It's uh, it's something. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a movie. <laughs> it sure is. It's it's really all over the place. Uh, I don't know that that stuff with um with the professor friend and and him just showing up at that i don't don't know the whole thing is madness i uh but i enjoyed it i had a great time watching it uh it doesn't make sense it it really fits it certainly fits into the kind of stuff that we've talked about on here but that's really because it it just fits into the continuum of you know the kind of the stranger end of of horror films and um it's definitely a horror film. I mean, it's got its goofy sci-fi elements oh, yeah. and, and you know, it's not it's not meant to be funny, but it is very funny. Um uh just cuz it's so silly. It's not the worst film we've covered by far, but it's not great either. I mean, it's uh I'm really glad I saw it. It was really entertaining and it's it's one of those movies I'm really surprised that I had never seen it before. You know, I had never even heard of it until about a month ago, I think. Um yeah. And I was just like, what is this? I, I think it was when we were talking about Wake and Fright and we went down the, mm. the complete Donald Pleasance rabbit hole. Um, and you you like came across it and pointed it out to me and I was like, wow, yeah, that looks uh, that looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, it had that weird like super hyper saturated color that you get. Yeah, it, it's a very strange movie. I, I liked it. I mean, I I don't know. It's. You know, I, I guess at some point we have to talk about the fact that, you know, it would just be nice if humanity could get beyond the point that we feel the need to exploit people just because they look different. And, you know, I mean, I understand this 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 feeling that you get, you know, as a child when you see maybe someone who's very small or somebody who you know, has some sort of a deformity or something like that. It's, it's shocking and it can be frightening because you don't, you don't understand yet that there's a person there is what you're looking at. You know, it's just a person who is dealing with something that is very, very obvious. Like you don't, you know, we're all dealing with shit. We don't wear it on our skin necessarily. Um, but you'd think, <laughs> you'd think in the, at least in recorded history, that we would have made some progress there. But I'm not sure how much we have, really. Yeah, and it's it's a tough sell, especially in horror, because like part of what makes effective horror is pulling on your fear strings, basically. like the, and, and things that scare you on a very primal level as a child, it, it's hard to not just ignore that, you know, and, and that's the type of thing that will scare the crap out of a child. Like it, it's, you feel like there's something wrong and you don't understand what's happening as a society. It's important to help people move past that. But whenever you're dealing with a horror movie, it like, that is an avenue to making people upset. It's an avenue to making people feel uncomfortable and that opens them up to other fears. So it's difficult to say that it should just be ignored entirely. Um, Mm. But 
I don't know. I, I'm not a sociologist. I don't know what the right answer is with all of that stuff. But I do know that watching this and watching people be uh, objectified in that way wasn't comfortable. I did appreciate that the movie tried. Like, it really, the the main characters of of perspective for, for us are are the people in the freak show really more than the students like i feel yeah. like they made those students cringy on purpose because like i didn't want to hang out with those guys but i'd totally hang out with the with the carnival performers like they were like normal people they had fun little parties uh i mean it was great they were they were living their best lives with what they had available to them and then they are all knife-throwing, heartless murderers at the very end of the movie for no reason. Because the guy was mean to them, and they, they just couldn't take it anymore, so they collectively threw knives into him? I mean... While shaming him! While, while killing him while making him confess to his ultimate shame. Yeah, it, it just it stole all the humanity, and at that point... It's like, look, if you're going to commit to these people being monsters, you better do it from cell one or frame one because you can't just at the end tack on, oh, surprise, they're monsters. It's like, <laughs> that's really fucking lame. It, it didn't, yeah, it was supposed to be shocking and it's not shocking. It's, you know, it's no more shocking than that fucking idiot kid falling out of the helicopter and snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just sucked. It was like, ah, that's not cool. I don't like that. Yeah. Also, Burns was complicit. He was also out there kidnapping people, and at the end he was like, well, I've sided with the good guys now, so I'll throw a knife too. Yeah, what is that shit about? Like, well, you know, I mean, we, you know, he's, we need to accept him as he is, you know? He's, he's just like us. It's like, okay, come on, this fucking stupid. Yeah. This movie's Fuck stupid. This. <laughs> Fuck you, movie. God. <laughs> What's your name, Jack Cardiff? I hope you're dead. You are good! <laughs> Gonna take back your Lifetime Achievement Award. I hope this was the last movie you ever made. It is! The last, the last movie you ever directed. This was the, <laughs> They were like, all right, maybe no more for you. Okay, you know what? I think we just realized something. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Stick to the cameras, my guy. Back behind the camera for you, my friend. <laughs> Point and click, please. <laughs> oh my god! <sighs> wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So rating, uh, ratings. Pff, fuck. I don't know, dude. It's um. I don't fucking know. I gave it a two point eight out of five. It it did progress some things. Like it it really brought DNA into the genre pretty well. Uh, it it had some fun. I loved Donald Pleasance. I loved uh. Tom Baker, they did a great job in here. The script was garbage. Yeah. The the non-Tom Baker and non-Donald Pleasant's acting was garbage. The exploitation just shouldn't have been there the way that it was at the end. Like up until that I was on board. They were like they were portraying that type of objectification negatively. Like they were deglamorizing it. They were they were personifying people in that situation as just normal people with normal problems in addition to the problem of having to deal with a society that treats them differently mm. and then they just fucked it off in the end and that made me really really pissed off um but that said uh there's a lot of fun 
to be had watching this movie if you're if you're in the mood for uh entertaining goofy b movie thing like this is the type of movie that you would get on a dvd from big lots where there's six other movies and all of them are terrible but you could have a great time watching them that's this movie 2.8 out of 5 loathsome things from me yeah that's i think that's a pretty good uh, uh description um yeah i i uh it was a tough one for me to to rate i mean i I enjoyed it if I if I based it on how much I liked watching it, not liked maybe, but enjoyed it. Was entertained by things like some of the some of the visual aesthetic and some of the camera work and just the just the look of seventies. I love seventies movies and stuff anyway. So I you know that, that I could give movies points just for that. Yeah. You know, and like seeing stuff shot on film is just you know can sometimes be a real joy, but um, sometimes it doesn't help. But in this movie, it definitely adds to the weirdness. Um, using a real carnival is always fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of a nasty portrayal of, of London, even though it could be anywhere, you know, it's just, it just, I may not even be London. In fact, I think the, the, I forget where the, uh, carnival was, but anyways, I, so then I was like, all right, I'm going to give it right down the middle. I'm going to give it a three. And then I thought, man, this movie is just, I have, I just have too many problems with, you know, certain aspects of this movie. And one of the biggest problems that I have with this movie, um, and it just came to me as you were talking about it, is why are the carnival people in the movie at all? They serve no purpose. You you already have this whole pretense of this human plant thing, which is a kind of a cool idea. Why not, you know, like, look at The Curse of Frankenstein. It's one guy with one idea, and exploits that one idea put you know put a body together with from dead parts and zap it back to life and and madness ensues like why couldn't you just go with that what like the frankenstein formula wasn't good enough you had to add you know this other whole idea that that, that is useless so anyways i gave it a 2.5 yeah <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it... I, I could see the purpose for it being there because it was talking about DNA and genetics and, and mutation. And he has a whole thing about how that's what happens whenever uh, mutation is allowed to control itself yeah. chaotically. But, but even then, like it could either be that yeah. or this, like it didn't, we didn't need to follow the story of the bland students and the story of, of the carnival. Like, it, it was too much and it didn't follow through. The characters weren't really fleshed out. So we never were able to, like, there wasn't anyone for us to identify with except maybe for Lynch. Like Lynch was the kind of most sympathetic character in there, but not sympathetic because he's also like that. See, and that's the thing is like horror movies love to play with the monster on an out on the outside monster on the inside. And he's like the perpetuation of that. Like he just wants to be loved, but he's going to abduct people uh, and kill like ruin parties and threaten to kill people and just be generally the worst. But he'll pay three pounds for a naked lady to say, <laughs> I love you. It's so ridiculous. I'm here for the dance lessons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, that's a, a 5.3 out of 10 loathsome things. 
it's uh it's it's worth watching but just realize that you're you're not gonna get a masterpiece out of this uh it's also not gonna be as interesting as freaks where like there's a lot of a lot of sociological meat to bite into it's just it's just kind of a mashup there it, there are ways in which it it broke barriers but not necessarily in all the right ways yeah if you want to if you want to make a movie that has those folks in it um for one thing that's great i mean they could you know the ones who are actors would certainly like to have the work um it, you know write write three-dimensional characters for these people because that's what they fucking are you know sit down with them for five minutes and let them tell you about the bullshit they've had to deal with their whole life and if you had any skill as a screenwriter, you could write a fucking killer movie about that. And it would wrap, it would sweep all the fucking awards because everybody would be afraid to not give them the awards. They'd all be famous and become millionaires. It would be great. Yep. <laughs> or we could just call them all freaks and, you know, and then have some guy walk in who looks like a giant crab claw. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird movie. It, it really is. It's a weird fucking movie. But it was entertaining. Yeah, there's a lot of tits in it. You know, it it, it looked uh, at times it kind of looked like a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie, um, uh, which not not a good look. Like, but you know, for I guess for the time, if that's what you're going for, he's like, ah, oh, yes, I am an Academy Award winning cinematographer. Let me uh, really just focus on this bathtub lady's boobs for a while. <laughs> I think this movie certainly fits within the loathsome things canon oh um, yes it's fits right in there uh that's one of the things that's one of the reasons why we pick movies like this because we know they're going to be ridiculous and we know they're going to be fun to talk about it's a lot harder to talk about you know movies that are deadly serious they're not hard to talk about it's just it's hard to talk about them in a way that that we would imagine might be entertaining for someone else yeah instead of it just being two dicks having a serious conversation about you know, Jesus and his role in Western culture or something like that's fine. We, you and I have done that for hours, but to do it, you know, with a recording it with hopes that someone else might want to listen to it. That's a big sell. That's a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit. Yeah. Getting, getting real serious. Like we could do, um, we could do, what is it? The, the, uh, the seventh seal. And we could probably talk about that movie for three hours, oh, but yeah. would it be enjoyable for anyone to listen to i don't think so god no <laughs> oh, look at these swedes they're so black and white <laughs> why does he play chess that's stupid chess is for idiots nerd ah <laughs> <sighs> good times oh, fun uh so John, have you uh, have you been watching any other horror things, or just been up to any other cool fun nonsense? Yeah, I saw uh, I saw Redfield, which was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't realize that Robert Kirkman wrote the screenplay, the uh, Walking Dead guy. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's completely schlocky and campy, and and just an absolute blast. Nicolas Cage is uh, actually makes a really good Dracula. Nice, um, yeah. Because, I mean, he literally is Dracula, but even through the makeup, which can be pretty heavy at times, he's he's just, you know, he's just so Nicolas Cagey, it's great. Um, and I and I can get sick of him, but in this movie, he's he's great. Because, maybe because he's not the focus of it, it's about Renfield himself, so. 
you know. But it's and then just yeah. the whole side story with Aquafina and all that. It's hilarious. That I love Aquafina. Yeah, that's, she's great. Yeah, um, it's very irreverent and violent as hell. There's there's so many great fight scenes. But uh, yeah, so I saw that. Um, what else did I see horror wise? Oh, I saw uh, Infinity Pool, which was fucking amazing. Uh, I love yeah. that movie. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Cronenberg is on fire. It's, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's right up there with his dad now at this point. I mean, I I can't even imagine what he's going to do next because that movie was killer. Yeah, I hope. I kind of hope he doesn't take his dad's route. And his dad, you know, is like, I'm done with body horror. I want to do boring shit now. Well, he went back to it with his last movie. That last that, movie, Crimes Crimes of the Future, is great. I love yeah, that movie. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's like. Psh. Most of those ears don't even work. Your art sucks. <laughs> so great. Uh, the other the other thing I just I just finished uh, uh, a book that's part of a trilogy of uh, it's from a Canadian I believe he's Canadian author named Duncan Ralston who uh, wrote he's kind of known for a kind of a cult like splatterpunk book called Womb W O O M that takes place in a motel. I haven't read that one yet, but uh, he also wrote this trilogy of books called. It's like the Ghostland series about basically an amusement park that was designed by a, a, an author who dies and creates an, but had this idea for this amusement park that actually features real ghosts and real, you know, like buildings that were considered haunted and brought in for the, you know, it's totally like over the top and just kind of, kind of campy and stuff, but it was a lot of fun. And that was just the first book. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the rest. I don't know. What about you? Uh, on your recommendation, I, I went back. Uh, Melanie and I have been watching Barry. Uh, pretty going pretty hard. We actually finished uh, season three and started on season four already. And I think it was like either at the end of last episode or the episode before that that you said that I should watch it. Um, and it's really fucking good. I had I had no idea it was gonna be as surreal and yeah. absurd and at times terrifying. Like that mm -hmm. that episode with the uh, with the little girl that um, is not of this world. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? That came, came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm like waiting for something like that to happen again. I was like, that is awesome. Very Twin Peaksian. I I love it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, I also went through and I started, I, I've been meaning to rewatch Stranger Things and actually get caught up to, uh, like, where it was. Like, I last time I'd watched it, I, I made it um, through two seasons, but it was a mm -hmm. long time ago. So I went and I rewatched season one and two, and I made it through season three, and then I'm just like, I can't. Like, I don't, I don't have... It's it's too much at times. Like I I love the the homages. I love the stuff that they're doing, but sometimes it just is a little cringy, especially when you catch on to the formula that all right, we're gonna split up into three groups and we're each gonna try to solve the mystery from a different angle without cross communicating with each other, and then we're gonna meet up uh, about two thirds of the way through the season and we'll all realize that we've been working on the same mystery. It's like yeah. I don't want to do this again, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, the last season that they just had was what four? I guess yeah, four. Yeah, four. I liked three. I pretty much felt the same way. I was kind of like, I'm going to keep watching this. I enjoy it, but it, it's getting kind of tired for me. But then season four, I, I 
I was a little bit concerned, but I ended up really enjoying it. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, I'll see if I can squeeze it in. I, I canceled Netflix, but I still have like a week of it left. Uh, I, I'll, I'm going to, I'll probably watch it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's been delayed because of the writer's strike. So it's like they're rushing back with season five. So, oh man, they're, that's going to fuck over so many things. I, I, Fuck, fucking pay your writers like when you don't have good writers on this shit it makes it terrible all like you could you could look look at a uh, fucking um quantum of solace which was uh, the the 007 movie they made when the writers were on strike so they just didn't have writers it's fucking terrible it it ruined battlestar galactica it like just fucking pay them. It almost ruined Lost. That one season with where they had the strike, of course it was a short season, but that season sucked balls. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy watching things from that time where it's like, oh, this show is good, this show is good. Oh, this show sucked real hard for one year. Oh, the show is good again. Just fucking pay your writers. I don't, like, they're gonna do, the, like, it's gonna, it's gonna hit, like, great shows like Andor. It's gonna hit Andor season two. I don't want, don't, don't, don't do it. Just pay them. And and. Andor is continuing, as you saw. I don't know if you saw, but I know I did. They're see going it. with they're they're gonna scab it up. Ah, oh, fuck that, dude! It's so That's bad. not cool. It's not cool in any way, really, other than it keeps certain people getting paid, like actors or whatever. But you know, some of those actors will be fine. A lot of those actors will not, and they could use the work. But that's that. But you know, come on, you got to have some sort of fucking solidarity for the writers because. You, you know, without the writers, you end up with movies like the one we just fucking watched. <laughs> exactly. Like, you you, you need... <sighs> it's ridiculous. I mean, writers really are... It's just like visual artists. It's like, you know, well, uh, we, we'd really love to uh, hire you to work on our show, and we're going to pay you by exposure. <laughs> you know, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get the fuck no, out of here. No. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. Join us in two weeks where we finish bridging the gap with our... Po oh, yeah, today's this episode is our two-year anniversary. It's been two years of Loathsome Things. We've put out a lot of gigabytes of audio. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we're going to clean it up because uh, our second ever episode was Basket Case, and then uh, one year plus one episode after that we did Basket Case 2, so we're picking it up with Basket Case 3, Progeny. Just be prepared. It's definitely the worst of the three <laughs> Basket Cases. Oh, man, I can't wait. It's going to be fucking great, and uh, it, I'm sorry that you all have to die. <laughs>